hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Sucker Time. The number one award-seeking comedy podcast about comedy. Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast podcaster, Mark Hershaw. Yeah, yeah, it's me, Mark Hershon, your host and busboy for Epi 107 of Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast. Since this is an edition of Succotash Clips, we have a barrel full of comedy podcast clips right here to unleash on your ears. Many thanks, as always, to our faithful associate producer, Tyson Saner, for grabbing so many of these for us. And also to those of you comedy podcasters who sent in your own clips or even someone else's clips. That's what we got this week from our friend in the UK, Davian Dent. Davian sent along a pair of clips from shows other than his Strange Times podcast or his Fiend Show podcast or any of the other several podcasts he's running. Such a show of podcaster generosity has inspired, in fact, a new feature that I will be getting to shortly. We've got a jam-packed epi for you, including clips from Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast, Angelos and Barry, The Angry Chimp, Casa Mirth, Dark Angels and Pretty Freaks, Date Speeding, Everyone Has a Podcast, Hyper Nonsense, The Joe Rogan Experience, The Radio Dan Podcast, and Who the F is Sal Kalani Podcast. In addition, we have another visit to the podcast Graveyard to pay homage to a late great show, as well as unboxing a double dose of our Burst of Durst with comedian and social commentator Will Durst, the Tweet Sack, and a new commercial from our friends at Henderson's Pants, who are sponsoring this edition and promoting their brand new moneymaker pants man you think with this much show we'd be charging extra but no you're getting all of this great entertainment for free but that doesn't mean you have to take advantage of our largesse or our large ass if you'd like to give a little back visit our home site at succotashshow.com give our donate button a quick click to throw us a few doubloons or while you're there you can click on the amazon banner at the top of the page to do your online shopping and they will kick us back a little piece of the action or Click on the link to our Succotashery and perch some merch with our keen new Season 2 logo on it. See how many ways you can help to be a part of this show in a very real and financial way? What's that? Shut up and play some clips. Okay, fair enough. Here we go, kicking things off with our friend, Will Durst. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words about the possibility of the 2016 presidential election coming down to a choice between Jeb Bush and Hillary Clinton, which would be great for me, because I could resurrect all my 1992 Bush versus Clinton material. It's the green thing to do. Recycling meets nostalgia. Together again for the very first time. A rematch with proxies. If Jeb wins his party's nomination, it would mean a Bush had been on their presidential ticket for seven out of the last ten elections, which is way past a dynasty. Now we're talking antitrust legislation. If the Democrats aren't investigating the possibility of prosecuting the family under the Sherman Act, they're more clueless than we first thought. 
which already is considerable. Meanwhile, the GOP is trying to blunt all the dynastic chatter by pointing out that Hillary would be a sequel as well. Sequel, perhaps, but not dynasty. For one thing, she's only the second Clinton to run, not the third. Big difference. I doubt if a third Roosevelt could have gotten elected. But even being the second would be tempered by also being the first person with a Y-chromosome deficiency to top a ticket. And what Republicans don't seem to understand is there's a big difference between a third Bush and a first woman. The problem is, Jeb has excited donors and party regulars. They keep saying, no, no, you don't understand. This is the smart one. And isn't that great? Third time around, they finally trot out the smart one. Which makes sense, since he's the only one who looks like mom. At least the Dems had the good sense to send up their smart one the second time around. One consolation about this matchup is whoever wins isn't going to need much of an orientation when it comes to figuring out the lay of the land at the White House. Hey, we're saving money already. (laughs) For Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast, I'm Will Durst. Mr. Durst has been performing quite a bit around the Bay Area recently, sometimes in conjunction with the screenings of the Three Still Standing documentary. So look around for that, won't you? We've not visited Gilbert Gottfried and his amazing colossal podcast since it first dropped almost a year ago, but I got a note a couple of weeks ago from friend of the show Sean Merrick over at the Sideshow Network where Amazing Colossal lives. Sean's a big hotshot producer over there now, and he wanted to let me know that TV wild man and loose cannon Dan Harmon, the creator of Community, as well as Adult Swim's Rick and Morty, was on Gilbert's show, along with co-host Frank Santapadre. So I ended up reviewing that episode for both Huffington Post and Splitsider.com a couple of weeks ago. And now you get to hear a snippet from that show, courtesy of Mr. Merrick, where Dan explains the whole Megillah that happened between himself and Chevy Chase. One person I've worked with and met a few times over the years, and I can use that classic cliche, well, he was always nice to me, and that's Chevy Chase. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was always nice to me. Yeah. I never had anything bad to say about him, but uh, obviously you didn't feel the same way. <laughs> Well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I think there was a lot of, sadly, there was a lot of the same blood in our veins. I mean, Chevy and I, are, I think we would both admit we're kind of narcissistic. And, uh, I mean, I, I had created this show. He was a huge star uh, acting in it. And, um, you know, it, it. he and I b- both kind of like, I don't know, we take our shit really seriously. Like, ch- 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 And I, I wanted to make it work that way. I was like, go ahead and take take your part on the screen super seriously. Let me inform the character with that, you know, that angst and that darkness. Um, uh, because I think that could be a really cool character. I think if you watch, if you're a community fan and you watch like season one and two of community and you can see, I think, I think Chevy's at his height in playing that character in the dungeons and dragons episode of community where he's like, he's a villain, um, he, the, the heroic part of him is the, as a, as a, as an actor is the part of him that doesn't want to say die. It doesn't want to go gentle into that good night. And I, I, I guess, you know, like, uh, we, we got along as much as, as much as we could. I worked with him longer than anybody's ever worked with him. 
Um, I and and and, I, and and he created a great character on the show that we loved a lot. The the feud that got so well publicized was just a result of pretty typical razzing between us. Like it just somehow kind of went viral. Well, it not somehow it went viral because like a dipshit, I I played a voicemail that he left me into a microphone, <laughs> and someone someone in the audience was recording it, and they put it on the internet. So it was it was pretty fun to listen to. So um, it went viral. I, I, I didn't. If if I had if I could go back in time, I definitely wouldn't uh, I wouldn't play that voicemail into the mic. But at the time, it was like you could cry out into the darkness. Ah, Chevy Chase is a dick. I don't like working with him, and he hates me. And like no one cared, no one was listening. It was just like something you would share with fifty people in a in a cabaret theater. Oh, but... I know, th- I know that feeling. <laughs> exactly. <You> I... could... <laughs> Supposedly, he he refused to do certain things. He refused to do a tag. Yeah, he didn't do a. There was a. There was a bit. It was like it was. It was magnified. His his refusing to do it. Like he'd he'd walked off set before. He he gets tired. He gets cranky. He leaves. Whatever. He was a he was a three amigo. He can he can get tired and cranky. Um, but um, it was the end of the season, and I was at dinner with my parents who were out of from out of town. And uh, and I got a text message that he had walked off this last thing, this very last thing that he needed to shoot to wrap up the season before all of the sets got torn down and put into storage. Um, so there was never going to be a chance to pick it up or fix it or anything like that. And I I did get I got a little upset, uh, and um, but I did what I always do with my anger, which is I try to turn it into entertainment for other people. So at the wrap party. <laughs> At the wrap party, you know, which is a, a celebration of people that work really hard on the show, who suffer all year long, and I made a joke out of it, and I said, you know, this is the wrap party. I'm your boss. You can't get fired if you if you say fuck you, Chevy, right now. And everyone said fuck you, Chevy, um, because he's, he's a little bit of a pill on the set, you know. And, and I, and I, and that, you know, he, he heard that and he left and, uh, and then I, I think I exacerbated it because he was like, I was still mad at him. So he was like texting me, you know, telling me, you know, that was, that was fucked up in front of my wife and kids. And I was like, you know, your kids are 40 and, um, <laughs> And, and like I, I you know, I, I was still, I was, I, I think if looking back on it, I could have been a bigger man, and like, you know, I could have said at that point, okay, well, it really made me upset that you walked off the set for that one thing. So let's let, now let's reset and hope we get a fourth season and etc. But I, I, I was, I was a passive aggressive dick. I was like not responding to his texts and kind of like torturing him a little bit that way. Thanks again to Sean Merrick for sending over that clip. You can find the entire rundown of amazing interviews that Gilbert Gottfried and his humble co-host Frank Santopadre have done over at the show's home base at SplitsiderNetwork.tv. We have another great fine harvest of clips brought in for this episode from our associate producer Tyson Saner, who always does such a great job, not just clipping podcasts I ask him to check out, but he's got a great ear for finding stuff I either forgot about listening to or is just uh, I've never found on my own. He finds it himself. In this case, we featured the Joe Rogan experience a few times over the last three years of our shows being around, but not for quite a while. In this snippet is guest Bert Kreischer, a comedian and podcaster in his own right, along with co-host Brian Redband, chatter about comedian Colin Quinn, 
a type of comedy appears to be replaced, and our memories are likened to a computer's hard drive. We did a we did an episode of Trip Flip with Colin Quinn. He was on it, and what we were going to have people do stand up, and so we said, "What we'll do?" I said, "Colin, I'll give you the mic, and then I'll put an IFB in our guy's ear, and then you just tell him the jokes to say, and he'll say them." Right. And Colin's like, "Perfect." So I was like, "All right, let's test it out." So we put this kid in the room and Colin in the other room. And I go, all right, let's go. And we had completely forgotten that Colin Quinn is so fucking funny that when you hear him talk, you'll fall apart laughing. Right. So the kid couldn't say anything because he's just doubled over going, say it again, say it again. Oh, and I was like, hilarious. what? And all he was doing was making fun of me. He's like, what's this guy, an ex- WWF wrestler? What's up with the beard? <laughs> like just destroying me. But yeah, That's Colin, funny. I think Colin, Tough Crowd was one of my favorite shows ever. You know, Keith Robinson and um, Rich Voss and Bonnie McFarlane were talking about that the other day on their podcast. It was on, uh, it might have been their show, like they were on XM, but they were uh, they were talking and they were taking calls and stuff. And they were talking about how like there's a different kind of mentality, at least in L.A., at the clubs. All the mean comics have died off. Like that fun, mean shit where you don't really mean it, but it's hilarious. Yeah. Just tearing each other apart. That stuff has died off for some reason, and it's been replaced by. Bonnie said it best. She said it was like an acting class sort of a vibe. That That's everyone's very accurate. like, "Good to see you. I really enjoyed you on this. I really thought you were me." She goes, "It's like this weird alt." crowd is coming over and there's like this air of phoniness about it all yeah that you get from like acting class you know like acting class is filled with people that are po- trying to like posture themselves well, real actors too but you know what i'm saying there's a few people in every fucking acting class that are trying really hard to become that stereotypical prototypical california actor where they don't say here's one of the things they don't say they don't say nice to meet you because they might already met you so they say, good to see you. Uh-oh. They all say yes, it. They yes. all say it. They all fucking say it. Good to see you. Listen, you can't say that. You can't say good to see you unless you're seeing me again. It's like, yeah. good to see you again. Oh, again. What's, where's the again? Good to see you? Good to see you. It's good to see everything. It's good to not be blind. I agree. Good to see you. Are you seeing me for the first time? How many times do you think you've seen me before? How many times have we met, motherfucker? Do you know me, bitch? <laughs> yes or name. no? No, you don't know me, you fucking fraud! Imagine that. You say, yeah, we met before. Fuck, we have! We never met before. Good to see you. What does that mean, you non-committal fuck? <laughs> I saw a dude at my kid's school today at drop-off. I'm talking to my buddy John, and some guy goes, hey, what's up, Bert? Hey, Chris. To my buddy John, I just find my buddy John go, well, I won't say anything. That happens all the time. I've done that before. And you go, oh, no, did I say Steve? Fuck! Oh, yeah. His name's not Steve. Now I have to tell him I know his real name. Oh, I fucking hate that. Come on, Bob. You think I think you're Steve? Eh. That's, That's why I call everyone Boo for the same reason, because I've fucked myself over so many times. And when you fuck yourself over the wrong like comic or comedian, they're always going to remember that. Like, that motherfucker called me Jeff or something like that. You know, People have a hard time letting that shit go. Yeah. I have a hard time remembering names. Yeah, of course you do. Well, that's that thing. There's, there's a certain number that you have in your head, and uh, you get past that number, and it's called Dunbar's number. You got 150 people in your head. That's it. That's all you got room oh, for. fuck. You get more than 150 people, you got to delete names. Like, you can't have, like, friendships with more than 150 people. You just don't have the database. I think I spent those numbers <laughs> up in, like, third grade when I'd look at the yearbook and look at the kids older than me. Yeah. There's still people older than me. In Berkeley Prep high school, grade school, that I remember them distinctly. Sure, I remember looking at those pictures and seeing the hot girls, Holly Clifford, and now I still remember her. I yeah. remember what her picture looked like. People that had an impact on you, you're going to remember them for sure. You're always going to remember them. Yeah, 
but people that like if you meet a bunch of people on a daily basis like how many people are you meeting you're talking about you did 60 fucking shows and how many people are on each show that's like 120 people already right yeah. at least so that's no way there's no way you're gonna remember all them it's unfortunate like there's people that were on fear factor and i'll meet them again and i'll go what the fuck where do i know like i try to remember where i know them. oh we did the thing with the bowl and the guy oh yeah oh hey man how you doing and then all of a sudden like i have access to those files again like like my brain will go yeah yeah, yeah let me pull that up here it is yeah. like in my regular brain my regular memory it just wasn't available but your brain will give you access to these files if you pull them up every now and then like if you delete certain things, you could still find them. Like they're in your trash, but you haven't emptied your trash yet. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it gives you a chance to pull them back. But I think it gets to a certain point, and then you're, you're no more. there's no more file. Doesn't, uh, file does not <clears throat> exist. One can easily fill one's days with the Joe Rogan experience, as he often cranks out a three-hour show and has done a ton of them. Find all of them up at the home site at podcasts.joerogan.net, as well as on Podbay, which is a great app, and streaming on YouTube and Ustream, too. Dan Delgado over at the Radio Dan Show has taken advantage of our instant upload link to shoot me a couple of snippets from his podcast. They're short clips, less than a minute each, so I have decided to make you a tasty Radio Dan sandwich. I've wrapped both snippets around a yummy chunk of chat that I had with Dan last September in the podcast lab, where we were both staked out during the third annual L.A. Podcast Festival. I, you know, at some point... I remember thinking, well, listen, I'm just going to be that guy who doesn't grow up. That's just going to be me. Um, that's it. I'm going to be the Peter Pan. But what I didn't realize was that everybody else in my generation decided the same thing. Everybody else from the age of, like, I don't know, I would say he was in their mid-40s to, like, 25. It's all decided the exact same thing. And everybody who's younger, they're still actually in an age where you could just get away with that stuff. And it makes me a little frustrated. It really does. I wanted to be the guy who doesn't grow up. I didn't want to be part of an entire generation who didn't grow up. Ugh. That means that one of us has to do it, and I really don't want it to be me. But the more I think about it, the more I realize, well, it's probably going to be me. I'm going to have to be the one who becomes an adult. And, man, I'm going to be a terrible adult. Ugh. Let's just talk about process for a moment, because uh, you know, pe different people kind of set their show up in different ways. So you're doing a nightly show, so yes. it sounds like you're probably not scripting your show, but how do you maintain what it is you're going to be addressing in the course of your show? Do you have a whiteboard with a lineup? Do you type things out? What, Or do you just kind of go off the cuff and just whatever's going on is going on? Well, what I do is I will go ahead and take about an hour or 90 minutes and, and find out what's going on, and I will take certain articles copy the entire article, I will put it into basically like a word pad document, and then I will, I will read everything, and then as the show goes on, I'll just kind of scroll down, and I will look, I'll look at the headline, I'll have certain things underlined, like, okay, this is the thing that you want to hit about this, this is what's important about this article, and I'll just look and see, oh, okay, this is what's going on, so we'll talk about that for a few minutes, this is what's going on, I'll talk about that. Each night of the week, there's generally something that is... Uh, like, there's a specific segment for each night of the week. So, Monday, at some point, I will talk about the box office. But I'll give you some sort of detailed analysis on it. So that might just take, you know, ten minutes unto itself. So rather than just reading you off, this made $8 million. I'll tell you what it cost. I'll tell you if it's going to be a profit. I'll tell you if it's bad for the studio, if it's good for the studio. That sort of thing. Okay. Um, 
Are there favorite features you do on the show? Is there any kind of regular features you do on the show? My favorite thing to do is the Thursday show. And I do a segment. It's called uh, The Rotten Tomatoes Game. Which Now, it used to be an actual game when my wife was doing the show. Uh-huh. So what I would do is, it's Thursday. Movies are coming out on Friday. You need to know what's going on out there. So what I'll do is I go to RottenTomatoes.com, and I'll take the plot synopsis for all of them for, I would say, like four or five movies that are coming out, right? Okay. And we'll take the fresh rating, and then I will read the plot synopsis, and I will put. I, I would used to pose it to my wife. Mm-hmm. What is the fresh rating for this? And you got to get it within eight to get it correct. Okay. Which she would frequently be wrong. <laughs> which was this was this was actually really great because she hated doing this. Like she hated. I don't understand. It, it, it never seemed like it was a big deal to me. Yeah. But who cares if you're right or if you're wrong? But this would drive her crazy. So the more she got agitated, of course, the more I enjoyed it, and now she's not doing the show anymore. Oh, dear. But nonetheless, I, I still enjoy doing this, and I don't know why. There's just something about doing that particular segment, put it, talking about what's coming out over the weekend. You know, as sometimes the synopsis, the official synopsis that a studio will release about a movie is ridiculously written, so you can just kind of make fun of that sure. un- unto itself. So, yeah, I, I usually will not miss a Thursday show. Just because of that. Just because I know the last 50 to 20 minutes are going to be that. And then they also have a special section for Hallmark Hall of Fame movies. Because you can't get enough of those. I want to know. Is there a difference between a Hallmark movie and a Hallmark Hall of Fame movie? And where is this Hall of Fame that these movies allegedly reside? That these movies come from? That they're inducted to? Is there a Hallmark gift store where somewhere in the back there is a special section that is dedicated to the Hallmark Hall of Fame, and some section has movies, and some section has really good uh, greeting cards with, you know, like the, the, the funniest ones that feature that stupid old broad. Is that out there? I bet it's not, because I look at these movies, and honestly, there's no Hall of Fame involved. I think the whole thing's a lie and a fraud, and the folks over at Hallmark... You should be ashamed of yourselves. I hope you enjoyed your Radio Danwich. Catch more of the Radio Dan Show at RadioDanShow.net. What could be easier? And if you're a comedy podcaster, you can do what Dan did and upload us a three to five minute clip of your show directly by going to Hightail.com slash you, the letter U, slash Succotash. And it'll get up to us. One, two, three. Someone else who took advantage of our Succotash instant upload was Jason Duplissy. Used to be one half of the What Duvet Said podcast. That show has been on hiatus. Jason says it may get an overhaul and will be kicked back into gear again. Hmm. If not, we might find What Duvet Said in the old podcast graveyard. Anyway, he's got a new podcast up and running called Date Speeding, hosted by the Reverend Rich Hugh. He says it's advice for online daters and has a kind of Jack Handy deep thoughts vibe, but with what he calls a healthy dose of explicit language. To help illustrate, he's uploaded this following clip. A lot of you are on many online dating websites, and one of the key ingredients of a profile is the profile photo. Here are some pitfalls to avoid when putting your best face forward. 1. Your picture is of Audrey Hepburn. You know the one. From breakfast to Tiffany's, she's wearing those long, black gloves, her head is resting in her hand, and she's got a tiara on. Now, you may be thinking, that's not me. My main profile picture is Audrey Hepburn from Funny Face, or 
Audrey Hepburn on a scooter from Roman Holiday. I don't care how pretty you are. You may be very, very pretty. You're not as pretty as Audrey Hepburn is. For that matter, Audrey Hepburn as Holly Golightly in Breakfast of Tiffany's is a straight-up whore, and the George Papard character is gay. If you're wondering why I use the phrase the George Papard character instead of using his character's name, the reason is I don't know his character's name, because I'm a straight man and I've never seen Breakfast at Tiffany's. In fact, no straight man has seen Breakfast at Tiffany's, unless they watched it with their mother, or perhaps were forced to watch it from an ex-girlfriend or a pushy sister. Number two, your photo is you doing some complicated yoga pose. Namaste. This, like many of these choices, tells me this about you. Absolutely nothing. What it tells me is you look just like everybody else. It's like walking down the cereal aisle in a grocery store. Sure, they're all different cereals, but they're all cereal and they all look the same. Perhaps I'll read the ingredients or look at the amusing cartoon character on the box. Or perhaps want the toy on the inside. Or maybe see which one's on sale. Or if the milk turns chocolate after eating it. Or maybe it stays crunchy in milk. Perhaps it's fortified with all sorts of vitamins and minerals that will help me on my whole day. The point is I'm hungry, and I think I'd like a bowl of cereal. I'll have some after the show. Meantime, no man knows anything about yoga. Except for this. A woman carrying a yoga mat, not wearing any makeup with her hair all tousled up, who passes in front of him while he sits in his car with his bag of groceries including some delicious cereal, is only interested in the way your boobs look in what you're wearing, possibly your butt. He doesn't care how good you are at doing whatever yoga thing you do. Because he doesn't understand the physicality of it. If you were to do a layup on a basketball court, that's something a man can understand. Yoga is just this century's aerobics something pretty girls all do in a room together and isn't sexy enough to jerk off to. If you think this pose is showing off your body, it's not. And what it is showing off of your body is usually distended and strange-looking. Like mumminshans. Go ahead and look up mumminshans now. No man wants to date mumminshans. Unless mumminshans brings cereal. Delicious cereal. I gotta tell you, I'm a sucker for that funny dry delivery and will be looking for more date speeding. There's no home site yet, but you can get uh, everything you need from iTunes. There's also a Facebook page for date speeding, so look that up. I've got another couple of clips ripped from the tweet sack. <laughs> Again, a couple of clips got uploaded directly to us from friend of Succotash, Davian Dent, from over in England. Clips from shows other than his own. So let's listen to what he tossed into the tweet sack. He's even supplied commentary to go with them. So <clears throat> let me read it. Uh, perhaps as he would. He's got a British accent. See what I can do. <clears throat> In a world of confusion, media bombardment, and mixed messages, it's good to know the great philosopher's tradition still exists. Much like 70s comedy legends Derek and Clive before them, Angelos and Barry present a truly hysterical meeting of minds. Angelos Epithemio was currently on cult UK comedy show Shooting Stars, and Barry from Watford has graced TV, radio, and even our friend Davian Dent's shows The Bitter Sound and Strange Times. In this clip, the two discuss the possibly apocryphal events surrounding porn legend King Dong, 
on a British 70s evening light entertainment show. I mean, I'll never forget that one they did. An audience with King Dong. And I'll tell you something. They had all the celebrities in there. All lined Leslie up. Leslie Crowther. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie Crowther, come on, right? <laughs> and oh, Don, yes. Don, Don, come on, Don, come on. And he had a bit of a, 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 a tinker on that. He's you know. fully clothed, you know. Fully clothed at this stage, yeah. at this juncture. Yeah. Right. So Leslie Crowther comes on and goes, ha ha, it's great yeah, to yeah. see come you. On, come on, Come on down, King Dong, sort yeah. of thing. And Don comes on the day, still fully clothed and all that. Couple of shots of the audience, of the likes of um, yeah. Janet Brown, <laughs> Marcy Kane. <laughs> well, this is a problem because Marcy Kane was in the front. Right. So Marty Kane is in a big, lovely, fla- a lovely flowing, flowing dress. Out, flowing yeah, dress. From the 70s. Flowing dress. Like uh, emerald green. Green. It was Beautiful. lovely. So Marty stands up. She's yeah. a wonderful singer. No, not that. And she went to uh, do, her op- <laughs> do her opening number. Um, for Dong. Uh, for Dong. <laughs> uh. And so Dong, it comes up. With that. Yeah. There was a flash. Oh, yeah, a flash, flash. His pants. And, a fra- and his pants come down, and he had the big sort of, you know, Wouldn't can't touch this, what was his name? Oh, yeah, MC Hammer pants. pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. took the before Hammer had them. Oh, yeah. Long before Hammer oh, had them. Yeah. Hammer got them off Dong. Hammer got them off Dong. And the trousers come down. Poor Marcy Kane. As she went to sing the opening bars of When I Was a Little Girl. Dong, I don't know who'd advise him to do this. He swung round and... Smacked right her in the face with his dong. Smacked her right round the shots with his dong. And I bet it was at Max Clifford. Yeah. Who told him to do that? <laughs> But listen, kids, if that was mm. appalling, you can bring the kids back in the room now. I hope no one was. Yeah. Oh, God. Sorry about that. We've had a, oh, we've had a fax from oh, the no, CEO of Audible. He's not what pleased with that. What she said? Oh, dear. Dear Barry and Angela, when the hell do you get off your building the story of how. Marty Kane with a close point and a friend of mine got maggots in a hair from TV funny man Freddy Star. You cock baby son of a bitch. I love Freddy Star and his amusing Adolf Hitler routine is one of the funniest things that British television has ever put on the airway. You silly He's carried on here. Let me tell you something, you son of a bitch. King Dong was personally (laughs) represented by me. We used to go to the same spas back in 1977. And that man could hit the lady between the cheeks with his cock, that's for sure. But he didn't do it, and he certainly wouldn't have done it like Monty B. Now I heard all the rumors about King Kong whacking his chap against the side of a bus. I heard the rumors that he is a man who brought down the planes on 9-11 into the Twin Towers. And I've heard the stories that he left suit uh, to 
those horse back in nineteen fifty-three, but King Mong certainly never cranked what became around the chops on an ITV show about uh, light entertainment. He involved the top adult entertainment with a massive cock, and he was a close wife. You can catch the Angelos and Barry show on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at playbackmedia.co.uk slash podcast slash the dash Angelos dash and dash Barry dash show slash. That is a bit of a mouthful to read out on an audio show. So maybe just use their Facebook page at facebook.com slash Angelos and Barry. Or you can also tweet to Barry by using at Barry from Watt, A-W-A-T. Huh, those are Davian's words. He's obviously been paying attention to how I talk about these clips. I better start altering my style a bit. All right, Davian's second pick, Rip from the Tweet Sack. Man, I love that new sound effect. His second pick is, in this clip from the first episode of the new and second series of the Casa Mirth podcast, Dr. Norman Trousers and Rivers Zambezi discuss the differences between William, women's swimwear and underwear. And welcome to season two of the Catamar Podcast. Season two, yes. I thought, and this is this is quite important, right? Take swimwear versus underwear for the women. Why is there a difference? Well, between walking around in a bra and knickers and walking around yeah. in a bikini, a woman would be absolutely mortified if you walked in on her and she was to do it in her underwear, but she would not give a fuck if she was to do it in a bikini. I think often it, when the bikini ass is a lot less than the, the knickers. I think it's to do with design, isn't it? Is it? Because generally, I don't. I don't. I Women, 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 people who listen to this podcast, please tell me, why is there a difference between getting caught in your undies and getting caught in your swimwear? But I think swimwear generally, like, certainly the top part, it's generally quite plain, isn't it? It's, it's like flat material, whereas bras tend to be a bit more frilly, a bit more... But it doesn't matter. I can, sexy, I can still a bit see more. the same amount, if not more, flesh when you're in your bikini. But I don't think it's to do with the... F- that aspect is to do with the actual what they're wearing. Nipples? It's to do with the material and, and so on and so if forth. If they've got, like, normal plain underwear, yeah. they would still be not comfortable with you walking in and they sit there in underwear. Even if it was white, plain white... But it depends, yeah, ah, 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 ah. But it depends ah. who you're talking about here, though. If you, talk, if you walked into some random woman's bedroom while she was wearing... <laughs> Then I can understand her being a little shocked. <laughs> Especially if you weren't invited, yeah. yeah. But, um, but just in general, I, I think most... I'm, but I'm if it was your wife's or your partner's or whatever, I well, don't think they Clearly, I don't think my wife would give a shit if I see her in her underwear or... Uh, but no, that's, this is my point. That's a wife or partner, it wouldn't matter. Well, okay, let's put it this way. A woman would not walk along a beach in her underwear. Would you? In a woman's underwear? Maybe. Hey. It would depend on the cut. Yeah. Um, would but, you walk along the beach... Beach in your boxes. Would you, would you look well, 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 <laughs> on the beak? Yeah. In my boxes? Yeah. Uh, yeah, possibly. Would you walk along the promenade in your boxes? No, I wouldn't walk along the promenade in my swimming shorts either. Really? Probably not. Why not? 
Yes, you would. Yeah. But if you're I've... abroad, you're, you're, yeah, you're somewhere hot, you're going to walk along in your shorts, aren't you? True. So, but, well, then, but yeah, would you do probably... that in your boxer shorts? Um, not the ones Or in your budgie smugglers? I don't wear well, budgie smugglers. Whichever. But but that's but that's the point, isn't it? it I don't because the budgies died. And, and I felt really bad. Yeah. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have put... Suffocated the fuck out, yeah. I probably should have put them down the front. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, but it's... I find it odd that, that there is... Hard. There, odd. Oh, right. <laughs> um, but there is a difference in that. And there is a difference. But, but yeah, but no difference to, say, you wearing shorts or wearing boxer shorts. Hmm. I could probably walk, walk along with boxer shorts. Would you... Yeah, you could do it if you thought about it. Like, would you, if you put your winter PJs on, would you go out in town with them on? Well, no, because you'd look a dick. Well, and it'd be cold. But are, is that any difference to wearing a, a, a tracksuit? Yeah. For instance? Yeah. Why is it any different, though? Because... What, what's different about it? Pants. What do you mean, pants? Well, you wear pants when you wear a tracksuit, but you don't wear pants when you're PJs. Okay, wear pants when you're wearing your PJs and then walk through town. Would you do it? It depends on what they look like, really. I did, that's and that's my point. It's it's about what it looks like. It's about what it's designed for. It's about it's how it's perceived within society. About what you, you can, should you be wearing. You can see so many sets of underwear that look like bikinis, but there, mm. there is that mental difference. Absolutely, exactly right, and that's what it's down to. It's perception. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, women, women, send us pictures of you in your underwear yeah. and in your and bikinis. your bikinis. And yeah. let, we'll see. And, and we'll be the. Judge. If you want an actual, a real, true comparison here, also include one with nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we can just check. Yeah. Just, just yeah, to make sure. Yeah. I might start Snapchat again. <laughs> <laughs> Help yourself to the entire casa full of mirth over at their home site, casamirth.com. And Dr. Norman Trousers also tweets from at Casa Mirth. Speaking of swimwear and underwear and trousers. It's time for a word from our sponsor, who is introducing a brand new line of pants. Hello, friends. Bill Haywatt here to ask that age-old question, how can I make some extra money with my body? Well, the answer is simple. With the all-new Henderson's Moneymaker Pants. That's right. Henderson's researchers in the Kinetic Pantaloons Department have spent years analyzing the powerful motions of the human gluteus maximus. Or that is to say, tushy. And while the producers of the Back to the Future movies may have incorrect predicted that we'd be zipping around on hoverboards this year, they never anticipated something as mind-boggling or profitable as Henderson's Moneymaker Pants. Through a special arrangement with the Federal Reserve Bank and the U.S. Mint, Henderson's has installed a cutting-edge, super-slim 3D laser printer into the seat of every pair of Moneymaker Pants. And they're giving you, literally, the license to print money. With every step, every kick, every bump and grind, you'll literally have money coming out of your ass. It's not yours to keep, of course. A U.S. Treasury agent will swing by your place every day you wear your Henderson's Moneymaker pants. <laughs> they know when you're wearing them, believe you me, and collect your bottom dollars. 
<laughs> oh, that's a good one, Mark. But in recognition of your service to our country, every time you shake your Henderson's moneymaker pants, you'll get to keep one out of every $20 you generate. The more you shake, the more you make, and the more you get to keep. So get out there and shake your Henderson's moneymaker pants. Originally designed for Gypsy Rose Lee, Fanny Flagg, and Justin Bieber, Henderson's Moneymaker Pants are just waiting for you to put your twerk to work. <laughs> That's Henderson's Droppers of Fine Trousers in 1717. And now back to Suckatash. You gotta shake your money maker. You gotta shake your money maker. You gotta do the old razzle-dazzle. Yeah, Bill, you still got it. <laughs> Look at that. This week for both SplitCider.com and Huffington Post Entertainment, I reviewed the Yo! Is This Racist podcast, hosted by Andrew T. and his uh, guest Irish film director, John Butler, whose movie The Stag is currently out in some theaters. Supposed to be pretty funny, so I'll be looking for it for sure. I also mentioned Welcome to Night Vale, which is uh, always a bit of a weird, fun show, and a not-really-comedy podcast, the relatively new Reply All Show, which has a great piece on an internet meme that's floated around for a while, started out as a pre-internet thing. It's this ad about a time traveler looking for a companion to join him on an adventure. And in this podcast, they actually track down the guy who wrote the original ad. So it's pretty cool. I have links to uh, those reviews up on our home site, SuccotashShow.com. So look for it in the blog for this particular episode. Another Tyson grab this week is a clip from the podcast called Everyone Has a Podcast with hosts Adam and Byron, who apparently have no last names. According to their website, the guys are slowly building themselves a recording studio, but started out doing their show by recording it into an iPhone. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Some of Succotash's finest moments have been uttered into my iPhone, including this one. I'm sitting in the front seat of Studio F, my Fiat, right now. This clip is from their Epi 3, entitled Butt Crunch. Speaking of fans and not telling people anything about your podcast, my wife listened to episode two with me last night. Oh, no way. And the whole time, I, I started getting cold and a little bit sweaty. Yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> and I was just shitting bricks the whole time. I, I want to put this out, and I want millions of people who I don't have to interact with to hear it, but I don't want my wife to hear it. It's, it, it's too exposing <laughs> it really is uh, I, it's like i said actually oh, i said this to uh, quadfather mft last night uh i said i compared sharing this podcast with people you know it's like handing them nude photographs of yourself yeah you really they're looking over it and you're going oh god does she see that i have one nut hanging lower than the other or is she wondering what the fuck is that mole should i have it checked like you're really worried about you're really like my left nut doesn't come up when i cough What's, is that supposed to happen? Yeah, when the doctor cups your balls and he tells you to turn your head and cough, your nuts are supposed to come up a bit. No? And oh, Yeah, they do. Your nuts just hang there? No, I'm not no, disagreeing my, with you. Oh, yeah, no, my left nut just doesn't move. He's dead. Dead nut. Yeah. Holy dead shit. Nut. That's the one that twists around on me, too, every now and then. Every now and then, <laughs> I'll be walking around, and uh, I'll just stop and hunch over because it feels like I got kicked in the nuts because my left one twists around inside my sack. 
Oh, it's like I've said before. When you stand there with a wide stance, it's like unfurling an X, like an Xbox controller. You have to hang it by the cord <laughs> yeah. and let it spin freely to find its like equilibrium. That's that's awesome. Um, oh, hey, let's address this while we're at it. Uh, how do we sound other than context and uh, our voices? Because we're speaking to you now on an actual on a microphone, an actual non like internal microphone. We're using a uh, blue Nessie microphone, and that's fucking you know. Hopefully, that's going well for the sound. I mean, I'll listen back to this through editing later. And uh, I hope that it sounds as good as it's supposed to. Otherwise, I'm taking this fucking thing back. We're going to have to... Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to get one, too. Yeah, we are sharing a mic right now, which is kind of like sharing a fucking milkshake in a diner. Yeah, a couple of yeah. dudes. We're, we're almost kissing It feels pretty time. intimate. Well, I guess it's not all bad. <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh, did you have a topic, or do you want me to fucking go and go well, online? Our... our, our, our if you listen to episode one, we talked about Pogs. And oh, yeah. Sucking we... for Pogs. And the knockoff of Pogs, which we thought should have been named Dogs. We found out it's incredibly boring, and it's just called Flipper Caps. Flipper Caps. Yeah, not really much you can do with that. And but... if you haven't listened to it, you should go back to episode one and download it on iTunes yeah, right now. Yeah, start from scratch. Follow us on our journey. <laughs> this is going to be my radio voice from now on, everybody. Yeah, I'm really <laughs> working on it. Hey, oh, wow. So what else is in the news? Um... Let's get real wacky. Let's get real wacky tacky. All right, everybody. Hold on to your butts. I'm going to find sound effects. <laughs> take it. Take the wheel, Brian. So flipper caps. Flipper caps. <laughs> Turned out to just suck. Yeah, that really did suck on ice. I actually did find out later that what you're thinking of, the we thought it was like dogs. Yeah. That's the knockoff to Crocs. It is. Fuck. And I give that one out of ten. Um, Let's sound never do that. Again. <laughs> no, let's always do that. <laughs> Who else is Leroy Jenkinsing through their fucking shit? We're professionals. Does everyone really have a podcast? Potentially, I guess. Check this one out at e h a p. See, everyone has a podcast. E h a p podcast dot com slash poddy p o d d y. Not P-O-T-T-Y, P-O-D-D-Y. All right. Even if everyone had a podcast, most of them would have trouble sustaining themselves over the long haul and would eventually be gone. But we'd hate for any podcast to be forgotten, which is why we have started this feature. Podcast Graveyard. Uh... This episode, our associate producer, Tyson Sainer, has exhumed Making It with Ricky Lindholm, a podcast that seems to have ended without fanfare in December of 2013. Ricky's getting a lot of heat lately as one of half of the Garfunkel and Oates comedy team, so maybe that's what's pulled her away from her podcast on the pod waves. Her last entry was Epi 74, and her guest was Mike Farah, the president of production at Funny or Die. They talk about chance encounters, hard work, and recognizing good opportunities. Tyson adds that this clip may have ended on a down note, but that the interview itself ends on a very up note. There's also no indication that there would not be in episode 75. Let's dig into the podcast graveyard, shan't we? What did you do for a job when you first got here? 
my very first job was working security at movie premieres. Oh gosh. Yeah. I met a girl. So I moved in with this guy who's a friend of a friend. Um, I did nothing to prepare for moving to Hollywood, which is <laughs> kind of disconcerting, but I just moved in with this guy. Wait, what could you have done to prepare though? I like convince someone to move out with me and like not move to Brentwood. I didn't even right. know what Brentwood was, but like, I moved to Brentwood. I mean, that shows you <laughs> yeah. how much I knew. Like there's some, right. Oh yeah, this dude lives in Brentwood. He's looking for an apartment. Okay. Like all I yeah. knew about Brentwood was like OJ Simpson. Right. And I never even researched like, and went online and said, what does this even mean? I just, I don't know. I just did not give it much thought. And I mean, I saved up money and came out here, but it's just like, I packed up my, my truck at the time. and it's just like very grassroots. So I met, I met some people, but you know, it's just all very random. You, you just kind of hang out with whoever you kind of meet because yeah. you don't meet a ton of people. So, you know, <laughs> so yeah, I worked security at movie premieres, and I still see the same guys that I worked with at they movie still premieres work now. Security? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, it's it's intense. They were all great. They were all kind of like uh, high school kind of dropouts or like a lot of former Marines. Oh, wow. And me. And, <laughs> and I got along with them really well. And I did it probably like, I don't know, I probably worked like 12 or 15 gigs. And um and yeah, so it's just, it's definitely nuts to see them still work. It's not like I go up to them cause like they would, but I, I kind of remember cause I don't know. I just was just like, Oh, here I am working security at movie premieres. And I was a terrible security guard. I really? I, Why? I, I, I did not secure things very well. <laughs> I don't know because I had never really been to a movie premiere. So I was just looking around and be like, Oh, this is really cool. I'll never forget the kid that I moved in with his dad. Hopefully he's not going to listen to this. He was a nice guy. We didn't have a ton in common. His dad was like an accountant to the stars. <laughs> Uh, I, I won't name names and he would go to movie premieres all the time and he would always complain about how lame they are and how boring and how they, they don't start on time. And ever since then, like from work in security to like now, it's like movie premieres are like the greatest They're thing really ever. Cool, yeah. <laughs> yeah, It's a free movie. It's free popcorn. Like they give you a parking pass. You see friends and you everyone's catch up. excited to be there. So the movie's better because everyone's yeah, like, exactly. laughing louder. And, it's just and then you go to an after party where they're just giving you free booze and alcohol. It's like, I don't know what there isn't to like about this equation. Yeah. Especially so if you're an me. accountant, like if you're working all day long on numbers, you'd want to like escape and see a movie and yeah drink a no, lot or whatever i, I felt I, I feel good about a premiere I, I feel like i need to go to one soon it's been a while what's the last one you went to <sighs> that's a good question did you go to hell baby no i couldn't make that um and i'd seen it at sundance oh. um which was a, a ton of fun the midnight screening the premiere oh yeah that was um fun. i don't know I, I maybe i haven't been to a premiere and i know i've been to a premiere what uh, I went to This Is 40, which was intense. Um, I went with my ex-girlfriend, and it was just, <laughs> just too much. You went with your ex? No, no. She was my girlfriend at the oh, time. Oh, okay. No, <laughs> I was like, why up. would you do that like, to yourself? Yeah, no, that was, that was a tough movie to get through, but we don't have to talk about that. Um, like a tough movie when you're in a relationship that's failing? Yeah, exactly. Like, right, yeah, because right. cause we're both uh, at the age of like, oh, wait, should we be talking about becoming like Leslie Mann and Paul Rudd at some point. Right. And it's like, no, because they're very nice people and they're having such a hard go of it. Right. Like, how are we ever <laughs> going to make it? So I, I was kind of thinking about that, but she, she was, I, I don't mean to disparage it. She, she was, she was awesome. It just kind of ran its course. No, it is weird when you're having problems and then you either see a mo like a couple or a movie or something where 
it's it's like you but worse and you're like oh, yeah. i don't want because the whole that. point of going to a movie is to essentially see a better version of yourself right so that's what escapism is all about that's why in hollywood when people read scripts they like them because they're they think they could be in it or it's speaking to their existence or their personal story or narrative or whatever so if you go to a movie and you just see like the crap version of yourself <laughs> and you're just like, well, I can't compete with this. Right. Right? Like, I, I don't want to be faced with this reality, but I, like and I, I never going to make it. Yeah. And I, I give Judd Apatow a ton of credit for, you know, conveying a story like that. But just at the moment that we saw it, it wasn't, wasn't ideal. I should have come up with a better premiere than that one that led us to down a, a dark hole. That was making it with Ricky Lindholm. And uh, a visit to our podcast graveyard. So I'm sorry there will be no further episodes forthcoming. Our friends Stu and company down under at the Angry Chimp Show uploaded us a clip from season two of their Monkey Shines, which is just drawn, drawn, drawn to a close this week. Stu sent along a note with the clip that reads, quote, Hi, thought I would submit a clip from the second season of the Angry Chimp Show for your consideration. Should you be short on clips for upcoming eppies? Hope you're well. And keep up the good work, Stu. Thank you, Stu. These guys are a lot of fun and know how to work the audio sketch medium, I think. Give a listen to their visit to the Literary Awards. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations. Congratulations there, some worthy winners. Next category tonight in the Literary Awards. Best Descriptive Verse on the Label of a Shampoo Bottle. The nominees are Philippe Gruyere for his work on the Pantene Strength and Shine for Damaged Hair Range. Pantene nourishes your hair on the inside and helps strengthen it against damage for shinier hair on the outside. It specifically targets the driest and most damaged parts of your hair for improved shine when used with Pantene conditioner. Margaret Applehead, for her description on the label of the Tresemme Moisture Rich Shampoo range. The Tresemme Moisture Rich Shampoo and Conditioner System delivers optimized hydration that targets dryness and locks in moisture where your hair needs it most. Created for daily use, this advanced moisturizing system with vitamin E helps restore vibrancy and makes dry, damaged hair soft without weighing it down. This moisture shampoo delivers a salon-healthy look and enviable shine. And Jonathan Gerhard. For his description on the Sunsilk Addictive Shine Bottle. We all need a little bit of luxury in our lives, and Sunsilk's addictive brilliant shine injects a little into every day. With five natural oils and a delicious summer berry fragrance, it helps smooth your hair to give you a lustrous shine without endless hours of preening. And the winner is... Jonathan Gerhard, Sunsilk Addictive Shine Range. Margaret, Margaret, have some class. Calm down. 
If you'd like to find the angry chimp in its natural habitat, look no further than its home site, theangrychimp.libsyn, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N, dot com. Or as most of the podcasts we feature do, you might be able to find it on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and so forth. There's a podcast we featured a time or two before that's had a couple of permutations, including being called the Sal and Angelo Show. Now it's called Who the F is Sal Kalani and features San Francisco comedian Sal Kalani. He recently hit his 200th episode. So I thought it was high time to check in. And he's got a great story in the episode featuring the process he had to go through to audition for a movie that's being shot in the Bay Area. So I auditioned once, got a call back, I auditioned again. Both times you're you're on a camera and that's about it. Third time I had to drive like an hour away to audition, this time to meet the director. And you're like, really, man? What is this stupid thing that I'm doing? Now i got to go an hour away for the third audition? I mean, what do you guys want from me? I'm busting my hump over here. So, I get the, uh, I get the, the ride, I get in the car, drive up there. Get there when I, a few minutes before one. And there's like 25, 30 people already in the room. Blah, 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 doing their lines, trying to look as pretty as possible. I don't really like actors and actresses. Uh, that much. I don't know. I don't really feel as I connect a lot more with comics. Comics, where you're sitting there bullshitting, ripping, ripping each other down, busting balls. Where actors, it's like I don't know, man. This whole like a bunch of fucking peacocks walking around. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna go into a room and it's just nothing but peacocks, you're like get the fuck out of my way, you big ass feathers, and just trying to look good and put on this persona that you aren't really who you are. Meanwhile, you know. Comedians are like, I don't know, pigeons, <laughs> dirty, grimy, jacked up, ripping on each other. I don't know. So, hanging the cities. So I'm in this in this room full of peacocks. I don't know, nice people. I don't know these people. I'm being kind of judgy, probably, but and there's no seats. It's at it's at a hotel, and there's a. And, you know, outside a conference room, there's no seats. So I, I'm like, I'll just sit on the floor. I'll be that guy. I don't care. Stand-up comedians, we'll sit on the floor, peacocks. <laughs> and so uh, we're sitting there, and right at 1 o'clock, just about 1 o'clock, the doors open, and in walks Spike Lee. And everybody's like, holy shit. And Spike Lee looked like Spike Lee. All right, like... He had the black frame glasses. He had the New York Yankees hat. And he strutted in, man. And that's that's what I want, folks. Like, I want that, that just that confidence that you're the boss kind of feeling where you could just, you just walk into the room and, and boss is here, you know. It shows up. It's just, there, there's something about it. Anyway, he's his own man. He's doing it, you know. So definitely the room gets chattier as he walks off into the conference room and all the actors get a lot more nervous. So I myself, I'm trying to go over this script. It's like a monologue. And I did it really well the first two auditions. And next thing you know, uh, I get called up. One of the first people called up. It's like, good Lord, 
I didn't, I didn't even get a chance to prepare. And Spike Lee's in the other room. So they open the doors. I hand off my headshot and resume. And in this big-ass conference room, sitting all by himself in a chair, Spike Lee. And, you know, it is a little intimidating. And it, it, it goes quick, man. And he's like, what's your name? And I'm like, Sal Colon. I'm like, I remember walking up. I'm like, hello, I'm a like, big fan. And uh, he goes, what's your name? And I go, Sal Kalani. And he goes, Sally, baby. He finds what, my paperwork. And then he goes, all right, go. That's it, man. And it, because it, usually when you sit down in an audition, you sit down and you bullshit. I could throw my personality for a second. No, this was just like, boom, I got shit to do. All right. <laughs> You're on my time. I got you. I got you, Mr. Lee. Let me, all right, I got you, Spike. Not, I just did it. So I started going through it. By the second line, he starts jotting something down. And now I'm freaking the fuck out. Like, ah, oh, dude, what, what does that mean? What is he writing something down? What is, he, is it good? Is it bad? What is, what is he saying? So then I'm trying to remember the fucking lines. I don't have the lines down like I did. I'm getting nervous. I, I, I am. It starts taking me over. And I do the lines. I, I, I might mess it up. Like the, 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 the second sentence I put in the first sentence, you know, in, a, in, in that section. But... It, I keep going. It, it, it does. It still makes sense. It still flows. But uh, I definitely am nervous and uh, I'm bumbling a little. And then he looks up, and then I finally finish. And then he goes, "Okay, thank you." And that was it. That was it. And I'm like, uh, "All right, thank you." And I, I walk out. I kind of storm out. <laughs> I walk out in the room. All these people all to go. Yeah, it was fine. Walk right the fuck out. Right the fuck out of the hotel. I'm done. I'm out in the parking lot, and I go. <laughs> Spoiler alert, Sal got cast in the movie. So if you want to hear the rest of that story, get up and find Who the F is Sal Kalani, episode 200. Check it out at salkalani.com. This next clip has a bit of a mysterious history. It was uploaded directly to us with our dedicated feed, hightail.com slash you slash succotash, with the show information that it was from a recent episode of Hyper Nonsense. So I tweeted out a thank you and heard back from one of the two co-hosts who claims that they never submitted the clip. And where did it come from? Who knows, really? By the time I went back into Hightail, the original upload had expired, so I had no way to track the origin. That's okay, though, because when we encourage folks to upload snippets of comedy podcasts, we're not just talking to the comedy podcasters. You may just be a regular listener. And if it's something you like, it's just fine for you to send it up here as well. Anyway, the host Sean and his wife Jen are podcast vets, having started a podcast way back in 2005, that's 10 years ago, called The Phantom Feed. Then they moved and launched a new show called Hyper Nonsense in 2006, which ran about three years until 2009. The next year, they started a podcast called Gemini Dragon, which ended in 2012, at which point they kicked off No Market Radio. Sean wasn't happy with that concept, and so in 2013, he and Jen decided to breathe new life into hyper-nonsense, and they swear on a stack of websites that this one is here to stay. For me, if I were a driver of cars, and somehow I had the opportunity to purchase a Gullwing door car, I'd probably buy one, and I wouldn't be worrying every day about, oh shit, this is the day I'm going to flip it, and I'm going to be trapped in here. And they're going to find my lifeless skull, my skeleton, as I withered away, and the actual gulls 
have snuck in through the undercarriage of the car, through the vents, and actually picked my body clean of edible parts. Yeah, I don't I don't see gulls doing this. That would require too would much that, work. Would that not be the ultimate irony? Oh, the gulls <laughs> the gulls get you. Not, not only not only <laughs> Now I understand. Not only did not only did not only were you killed you know, not not only did the, the actual gull wing doors kill you, but you you were also, you know, de- it was death by gull. Yeah. Well, you. Yeah. Okay. I get it. Death I by just don't, I see it now. I just didn't see it as. Yeah. Anyway. So. so but no, I I didn't even think about that until I actually said it. But I realized that there. I mean, the the gull wing door effectively killed you because you, you can't escape. Mm-hmm. And then the the seagull snuck in and ate your dead body, or maybe your still live body. What are you gonna? You can't fight off a seagull in a small space. It's impossible. It's been proven by See, that's, that's the problem is the small space. I don't know that a seagull... Yeah, but the thing about... I don't think... I don't the thing, think about, so. the and, thing and about the that, seagull is once they, once they smell human blood, they're like a shark. Okay, this and is just going way find, off the rails. <laughs> they will find a way to get through. And yeah, they will eat but, you your know, eyeballs out of your skull. Or, you they'll, saying? or they'll, you know... Take the easy route and find a dumpster behind a fast food place and eat the fries. Grab more of Hyper Nonsense with Sean and Jen at their home site, hypernonsense.com. I wonder if it's time for a new adage, something along the lines of, quote, the couple that podcasts together stays together, unquote. Why did I just say quote? I made that up. There are lots of married couples in the podcast game, like our friends Travis and Brandy Clark from Tiny Odd Conversations. Or perhaps Sean and Jen from Hyper Nonsense that we just featured a couple of clips ago. There's a show out of nearby Napa, California called Dark Angels and Pretty Freaks, hosted by Annalise and her husband, Neil C. They've been very nice about retweeting a lot of our succotash tweets, but this is the first chance we've had to feature their show. The tagline on their website states, Helping to Kill Your Commute. It's a conversational-style show with topics ranging all over the place, a lot of it focusing on things they do together. So maybe it's kind of like real-time's couple therapy or something. I pulled this clip of them talking about a magic show they saw during a recent trip to Reno, Nevada. We went to Reno. We got there Friday night, and we were tired and hungry and thirsty. So we're like, let's go to the Bruco. Not, it's not Bruco. That's something. It's a, let's go to the brewery, and we'll... <laughs> get some beers and some food, and then we'll go see what shows are playing in the extravagant El Dorado Lounge. Absolutely. Not lounge, uh, theater. <clears throat> so we went, we got really food, a theater, and so. we went down, and we're like, oh, they have a magic show. Cause, and I kind of thought that they did, because I'd done a little research before. We're like, how much are tickets? And, you know, affordable. We're like, cool, let's get tickets. We got tickets. And then, what was it? 30 seconds later, mm-hmm. we heard about a two-for-one offer. We got a $5 off, and we had already bought our tickets. And yeah. I'm like, wow, that's pretty stupid. We had took no time in looking around right. for Well, any I deals. didn't even think about that. And as soon as we heard about that, we're like, oh, yeah, if you play that one, like, slot machine thing or whatever. It's not even a slot machine. What is that, it's just that a little? Free, like, you swipe your... Your little uh, El Dorado card, yeah. and then you get a coupon. And it, sometimes it's for breakfast. Sometimes it's, yeah. you know, whatever. Most of the time, it's like a two-for-one breakfast deal or something right. like that. But apparently, they were doing a lot of two-for-one uh, magic show tickets. And, of After course... After seeing the magic show, I realized why. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about <laughs> said magic show. For sure. 
um, with Lady. I would Houdini. like uh, to talk about the mystic. Yeah, they. I thought they were <laughs> one of the best parts of it. They had their dancing down. Stand up, stand up. I will I, say this about the magic show. It was unexpected to see so much dancing, though. In like, a magic show. In a magic show, yeah. that was unexpected. Was a lot. I of thought dance there was numbers. going to be a little bit more of a magic show than endless Vegas dancing. I will say this. I like so there was music played throughout the whole magic show. She right. hardly talked. At they all. had great music. The music was all new music, and mm-hmm. every, I mean, rap, R and B, pop. Rock, I mean, they played a six a.m. song. Right. Uh, it was, it was really cool. Mm-hmm. We think that she may have been like an ex Cirque du Soleil had dancer or something. Has to be because she started out with like I don't She's know if a they're called acrobat. What are they? What are Contortionist? those? No, no, no. Those things that came from the ceiling. They're not streamers. They're uh, the things she was climbing up and wrapping herself in and. Oh, um, um, not flat. Well, it was fabric or a curtain fabric kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, but it's got a name. Yeah, I'm not sure what the name is. But yeah, it was hanging from the ceiling and she wrapped herself up and pulled herself up Pink's with her video arms. With using, yeah. Right. And it's and, always uh, in Cirque du Soleil. Right. And she flipped herself around, up and down. And then like. She was probably in her early 50s, late 40s, early 50s. Right. And, and weighed about 90 pounds. Yeah, solid was muscle. An extreme, solid yeah. muscle. But she did the rings. She mm-hmm. did the small rings, the big rings. She mm-hmm. was flipping around. Um, and then later in the show, she um, they have her straight jacketed up, and she is on her own holding herself up on a bar by her knees, and so she could fall, obviously. But she, so she's keeping herself up there as well as getting out of the straight jacket, and then she flips around and does a whole bunch of crap after she gets out of the straight jacket. Yeah. So total acrobat performer, obviously. It seemed like that was her, her deal. Yes, and her cause job because that. that Nailed it. Amazing. And then she decided to try magic. And she did like all the old timey magic. Right, like, right. like the spinning of the head from the box, sawing mm-hmm. people in half. The rings. The Oh my God, that was terrible. Yeah. The two so metal funny is that, rings where she actually showed us the break in the one ring. So when she did like the smaller ones, like the rings and the water in the sand, um, she actually came out towards the audience, which was a mistake on their part because you can totally kind of see a Especially little bit better. we were in the second we row. We were only in the second row. Yes, I think people could see farther. Right. But it's so like that, that sand thing. Mm-hmm. Somebody comes out. It's a clear bowl that's full of water and already has sand in the bowl. So you're like, oh, something must be in the sand. Right. I mean, why would, you know. So she dumps all this other sand in the bowl and then she reaches in the bowl and pulls out dry sand. And it's like, well, obviously that doesn't, it's not even really an illusion. You know, it wasn't even, if the bowl had no sand in it when it started. Right. That'd be better. Yeah. I know people are thinking like, what the hell are you talking about? Bowls and sand. Um, You didn't miss anything. So, um, but what's interesting. This conversation about it is actually better (laughs) than that part of the show. Listen in to the Merry Married Misadventures of Annalise and Neil C. at their home site which also happens to be the name of the show, darkangelsandprettyfreaks.com. They have their own app. They can also be found wherever fine podcasts are served. It's high time we took a peek inside the Tweet Sack. Don't you think, Tweety? I got an email from Nick Revel this week. Nick's the co-creator of the No Pressure to Be Funny podcast, a very funny and topical panel show out of England. In fact, one of my favorites. He writes, uh, hi, Mark, I'm in a brief pause from the chaos of moving house uh, while we get building work done. So I thought I'd seize a moment to do something normal like email. I hashtag Succotash with the link to the latest No Pressure. And remember that Will Durst will be in Edinburgh for the festival in August, along with me and 10 million other comics. I don't suppose you'll be coming over at all, but it would be great to meet if you did. 
My show is uh, will be called Feminist Porno Jihadi, and I'll make sure it gets recorded properly this year. We had a little bit of a technical glitch from last year's show. I'm hoping to be touring it in the autumn and spring. Would love to do some gigs in the States if possible. We'll talk to Durst. But just wanted to float the idea. All the best, Nick. Well, thank you, Nick. I think that guy's super funny and smart to boot. I want to play some clippage from his show from last year's Edinburgh Festival, but what he captured was a little hard to hear. So that will be great fun to get something from his show this year to play for you on our show here. And of course, I would love to get over there to Edinburgh, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. I got a note, a press release, really, from somebody named Roddy Swernjin at the Sideshow Network to let me know that Patty Stanger, who happens to be America's favorite no-nonsense matchmaker and love expert, I did not know that, has developed her own podcast series. It's called The Love and Sex Report. It kicked off March 20th and features Patty and her co-host David Wygant, who is a, quote, leading dating coach, unquote. That was a dating coach. Thompson, get in there. Remember what I showed you. And don't forget, those front latch bras can be tricky. Well, good luck, Patty and David. Doesn't sound like a comedy podcast, so that's probably the last you're going to hear about it uh, here on Succotash. Unless they mention us on their show, like our friends Dean and Phil at the Chilpack Hollywood Hour. Then we'll be hearing lots from the Love and Sex Report. <laughs> our friend Ed Wallach, the host of the Don't Quit Your Daycast podcast, threw out a few mentions of us on the Twitter. One of which said, just letting you know, I'm still breathing and working on a new set. Which means he's working on his stand-up and hopefully channeling out some pain from some relationship woes that he's been having recently. We love you, Ed. Hope to see you soon. Ed was a recent guest on The Blank Planet, a new podcast from our buddy across the pond, Davey and Dent, so listen up for that. In fact, myself and our announcer, Bill Haywatt, just recorded a conversation with Davey and, and Matt Bubbles for an upcoming epi of Blank Planet Ourselves. I'll let you know via Twitter when that drops, and it'll probably be pretty soon. Got a tweet from Cornucopia Radio that reads, Hey, Succotash Show, have you heard our comedy improv podcast yet? It's a game show that you just couldn't make up. Huh. I've not heard of it, but they've provided a link, and being a lover, purveyor, and performer of improv, I shall check it out pronto. You can, too, at cornucopia-radio.co.uk. Pete Handelman tweeted out to let us know that his essay on the Storyworthy podcast is quite a doozy. And uh, we should check it out. Well, we will, Pete. We will. We love the Storyworthy Podcast here, and you can too at storyworthypodcast.com. Got another PR email sent to my attention. I think they're looking for me to review this podcast about a new show from On the Media, which must be a production company, right? It's called On House of Cards, and it says it's, quote, recaps with Washington insiders, politicos, journos, and House of Cards actors. Uh, unquote. That might be good or funny or horrible. Anyway, Malika Datatreya says the latest episode features Cokie Roberts and Linda Wertheimer. Hmm. Neither of those are in House of Cards. Anyway, if that sounds like your thing, check it out at onthemedia.org and please let me know how it is, won't you? I won't be dropping by anytime soon because I'm so busy listening to actual comedy podcasts. Oh, lastly, got a tweet from the Hollywood Rock and Wrap Up podcast wanting to know if we'd be interested in getting some kind of regular feature from them on our show. I don't know. Maybe. I told them I'd check out their stuff and we'll see if it's the sort of thing you guys, our listeners, might enjoy. 
Hey, that was a good sizable bunch of tweets and emails. So thanks, friends. Speaking of friends, let's uh, get to our rundown of those of you kind enough to tweet, retweet, favorite, DM, like, follow, or otherwise get a mention in of Succotash on the social media morass in the past week or so. Hear Andy talk? San Diego Sabrina. Christine Blackburn. Show me your bits. Alexis Guerreros. The Kimchi Chronicles. Samantha Pett of the Kimchi Chronicles. Stunami. Music of Bell. Laugh Me Funny. Mama Bear Brown. Switching Channels. Dan Delgado. Jordan Brady. Utter Tosh Pod. Rapture Insurance. The Strange Time Show. Mimi Toll. Casey James Salengo. Eric Schaefer. Salty Language Podcast. Bob Zaney. One Media Studio. Rudy Reber. Daniela Solomon. Podcast Whore. Corky Knievel. Sean Parker. The Fiends Show. The Blaze. Big Show. Donald King. Ask for Daisy. Shaq Scott. Pass the Gravy Podcast. Sharon Houston. Wave My Wand. Matt and Corey Talk Too Much. Comic Roast Podcast. Illusionoid. Inthcast. Coma News Daily. Thorgon. Aaron O'Connor. Carol Montgomery. Tracy Rosenberg. Desert Arshibe. Fear Innis. Meet My Good Friend Pod. Talk Radio X. And Armenian Comedian. Ah, that's the rundown for this week. Let's see if we can get even better names next week. I appreciate each and every one of you. And if anyone wants to head up to iTunes and rate and review Succotash, I will like you even more, I promise. If you'd like to make it into the tweet sack, just mention at Succotash Show in a tweet or send us an email with your questions, comments, or rants about comedy podcasts to M-A-R-C. That's Mark at comedy uh, at SuccotashShow.com. Mark at SuccotashShow.com. I almost named a podcast that I was just making up in my head, I guess. It's time for our second and final burst of durst for this episode, and he's talking about Ted Crazy Cruz. Hey guys, Will Durst here to say winter really is over. We children of the press always get excited every spring before the quadrennial when the first red nose pops out of the presidential wannabe clown car. This year, the seasonal harbinger is Ted Cruz, who announced his running for the highest office of the land at a place called Liberty University in front of an assembly where attendance was required. Mandatory attendance at Liberty University. Just say no. Sorry, that's not a freedom the inmates of Liberty University are afforded. This is the perfect metaphor for Crazy Cruz's candidateship, because Raphael Edward Cruz is the contradiction man. This Princeton and Harvard-educated dominionist loves to surf on the crest of his constituency's ignorance. He recently compared himself to Galileo, claiming to be similarly attacked for his belief that global warming doesn't exist. And it's an apt comparison, except for the fact that Galileo was a scientist refuting the teachings of the church, and Cruz is a religious man refuting the teachings of science. Other than that, spot on. The junior senator from Texas doesn't believe in climate change, evolution, or much science at all. Wouldn't be surprised to see him spearhead a movement to repeal the law of gravity. He offered up as proof that global warming is a myth because it snowed in New Hampshire this year, which is like saying there is no sin in Las Vegas because Mother Teresa once flew over it on a flight back home to India. 
but it isn't guaranteed smooth sailing for the chairman of the Science, Space, and Competitiveness Senate Subcommittee, since Donald Trump is seriously considering running as well, and it is assumed he will demand to see the Canadian-born Senator of Cuban Ancestry's birth certificate. Galileo spent ten years in prison for his beliefs. Perhaps fate plans an extending Mr. Cruz's analogy. For Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast, I'm Will Durst. Get more delicious commentary and witticisms at willdurst.com. Also listen to him tweet over on Twitter by following at Will Durst. Well, you don't listen to him tweet. you got to read the tweets. That's, that's the way Twitter works. That's going to do it for Succotash Epi 107. Thanks to our esteemed associate producer, Tyson Saner, our producer engineer, Joe Polino, and our booth announcer, Bill Haywatt. Next time in Epi 108, I will feature my recent interview with comedy writer extraordinaire and podcaster David Feldman. We'll also have a Boozin' with Bill segment where our announcer will mix up a concoction he calls the Roman Candle. Here's a sneak preview of some of his ingredients. A jigger of a shot of amaretto and a shot of tequila and uh, and then a shot of Southern Comfort. Ooh. That is for next time. In the meantime, feel free to help us out by visiting SuccotashShow.com and clicking on our donate button or using the Amazon banner at the top of the page to do your shopping or perch some merch from our Succotashery. Until <sighs> we get the chance to speak again, please remember to pass the Succotash. You've been listening to Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, and on SoundCloud. You can also hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show. Email us at ma at SuccotashShow.com or call into the Suckatash hotline at our non-toll-free call number 818-921-7212 That number again is 818-921-7212 is produced and engineered with the kind assistance of Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our associate producer is Tyson Saner. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I am your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the succotash. Goodbye.